Welcome to episode number three of the Room for Error podcast with my brother from another mother, Dan Harmson. Um, for our Spanish-speaking listeners, that's that's episode number three. <laughs> yes, Just want to clarify that. <laughs> I'm very I'm proper. Bilingual. <laughs> Uh, very, very nice uh, correction and um, as well as clarification. So, uh, welcome everybody. Um, it's uh, the end of week three of the college football season. We've got a lot of stuff coming up. We've got a lot of NFL talk to get to. Uh, we've got a really, really full um, cash consideration segment. Cole is on a tear right now with some gambling lines. We're, uh, we're out here crushing it. And poor Dan, since he's Dutch, he can't, he can't seem to gamble on anything. But... Um, I gamble on I gamble on a lot. It's it's called life. Yeah. Every day when I wake up. Yeah. It's a playing the playing the casino every every day, getting out of bed. But no, we've obviously got a full show. There's a lot to talk about. Um, I, I want to throw this out there. This is our first weekly edition is of the Room for Yes, welcome. Podcast. We uh we are gonna start recording every Sunday and or Monday, um, due to some circumstances from yesterday. We had to push it back to this evening on Monday and watching Monday night. <laughs> what football. were the circumstances? Well, Dan broke his ankle. Well, <laughs> It's not broke, full blown. <laughs> well, let's just put it's, it this it's way: also... Dan, Dan needed a rest day, so we gave Dan a rest day, and that's what we did. Cole was, I, I wanna, was ready to go. I've, I've several people to thank for yesterday's experience. Um, thank you, Jamie Pollard, for opening the tailgate lots at five in the morning for a three p.m. kick. Um, now I know why. Avid listener in Jamie Pollard. Now, now, now I know why um, usually the gates only open, what, five, six hours before game time. I also want to shout out to uh, Tina's uncle, Ed Wilson, fan of the show. Fan of the show. Um, thank you, Ed, for you know missing those two weather delays and giving me three more hours of extreme consumption before we made it back. So here I am on, on one hawk, one hawk later, um, a, a day down, so... Sorry for, uh, for for putting you in a pinch there, Cole. You know, it's all right. I'm just glad that you made it over here tonight because um, I uh, was responsible for the cocktail of the uh, week, and uh, we're going to go ahead and give uh, Chad Swinson the sponsorship credit once again because we used um, part of his bottle of Crown, and Dan doesn't know where his mic stand is located, apparently. Uh, I made what I like to call the redneck mimosa, and what this consists of is um, a couple shots of Crown, a um, healthy little dose of OJ, fill the cup about three quarters of the way up, whatever you're using, and then top it off with none other than Randy Evans' favorite Keystone Light, baby, because it's trashy. And we're talking about Redneck Mimosas. Dan, what do you think of the Redneck Mimosa? I, I, I took a sip of it earlier and not knowing what it was, and I said, this is very well balanced. There's there's a lot to like about it. It sounds It's kind of got a little bit of that like pink squirrel feel to yes, it, but it not does. as sweet. Yeah. You kind of get a little bit of the the bitter and the good, and it, I like it. I think the good. whiskey helps knock it down a little bit. Like right. if it were just straight vodka, like sweet. a pink squirrel is, it knocks it down a little bit and makes it is, a little is bit Is the reason more. you put a koozie on my glass because I set my glass too hard on the table all the time? Actually, no, but that's a clutch thought right there, okay? Yeah, from now on, you have to have koozies. Yep. And, you know, just to keep, it, why just to keep your nice beverage times. cold, man. Yep. That's, that's all we're there for. So, all right, uh, we're watching the Browns and the Jets play right now, and it's – um. Essentially like the world's largest pillow fight. We've got Trevor Simeon going head-to-head with Baker Mayfield. Don't hate on Baker. Baker, Baker, touchdown maker. Um, Browns have been um, abysmal the first week of the season. They uh, what, Baker turned it over four times in the loss or the route to – who did they play that first week? It was bad, though. 
wasn't the Titans, was it? Yeah, it was the Titans. Yeah. yeah. Got they whooped. got smoked got by whooped. the Titans, the Fighting Ryan Tannehills. Is that where he's not? Yes, he playing he's now? back. Is he up Mariota's for, backup. Yeah, but Oof. not for long because Mariota's just you know who Mariota is, and so he's going to end up replacing him. But oh, Trevor Simeon, there, there he we goes. go. Good old Northwestern I quarterback. You know he's educated though. I was so actually pretty that. surprised that wasn't Willie Harvey off the edge right there. I think he made the, he made the team. yeah he made the fifty three man. Yep. Um. All right. So let's get into it. Um. The first thing, obviously, we're going to talk about is the Cyhawk reaction. Um. Us Cyclone fans, it didn't exactly go the way that we wanted it to. It is what it is. It was a hard-fought game, but um, once again, it boils down to um, undisciplined football and turnovers. And for for that being said, uh, Iowa has not turned the ball over in that matchup since 2015. Um, rarely commit penalties, and when you play a team like that, um, it seems it seems irrelevant at the time. But that fumble by Brock Purdy. Um, it's, in the first quarter. It's an enormous swing right. already. I mean, you're already playing from behind at that point, even though the score is zero to zero. It may be zero to ten. May as well be zero to ten. Well, I, I there's there's a lot of things that come into it. Typically, the team that makes the least mistakes in any football game, unless you are, have a lot, unless the talent level is exceedingly different, like it was at Iowa State or U and I or places like that, uh, the team that makes the least amount of mistakes is going to win the game. And that's something we've seen. That's something Campbell has tried to. That's something Campbell's tried to establish here in his fourth year at Iowa State. Um, but that felt like a Rhodes Rhodes coach football team there the other day, where the whole um, "Hey, we're trying to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory," like out outplay the other team in every aspect, um, have very sound defensive game plan, have a great offensive game plan, um, play absolutely abysmal special teams. Which I think there's two special team plays. In general, even if you throw out the Brock Purdy fumble and things like that, I think there's two special team plays that cost Iowa State the game. One is the Johnny Lang return where he's four yards deep in the end zone and decides for some reason, instead of putting it to the 25, he takes it out and ends up on what, the 10-yard line? Got cocky for no reason. And we get banged for a hold there, moves us back, punt, short punt, short Joe Rivera punt, and give Iowa a 25-yard field to work with, and they score their only touchdown of the game. The second ba- terrible special teams play, obviously, um, is Detrone Young deciding to tackle. Being the best yeah. tackler for Iowa special teams the entire day and just absolutely levels Deshante. But it's frustrating for me when Campbell's style of football is, you know, ball control offense, run the football, you know, let's do those kind of things, play really sound football, not make mistakes, play defense. And to me it feels like – it's been a long time since we've seen Iowa State go out and play a football game like that. We haven't done it through two games this year. The Washington State game had 15 penalties. The Drake game, remember, I, don't, I pretend it didn't happen, but that wasn't a sound football game. Kansas State sure as heck wasn't. I think we've got to go back to almost to like the Kansas or West Virginia game of last year to watch a relatively mistake-free football game. And even in the West Virginia football game, we had a special teams blunder where they returned, was it a punt for a touchdown or a block punt for a touchdown? Something like that, if I can remember right. Yeah, yeah, that's like, yeah, I forget what that was, but you're right, yeah. But if you think about it, what I think is, don't get me wrong, last year's team is very successful. This year's team has got a really high ceiling if they can work some of those things out, but I think the most complete Iowa State team we've still seen was one that had great senior leadership in Kyle Kemp and Joel Lanning, and that was a team that never made mistakes. That was a team that... If you remember the bowl game in Memphis, even with Montgomery's 
you know, fumble, faux fumble on the one-yard line, you just knew we were going to win the game. You knew the breaks were going to come. And I remember having this conversation with you last year about how all of a sudden when you play sound football and, and the refs aren't looking for penalties and you don't get called for as many because they don't expect them from you. And that has not been Iowa State's M.O. in the first couple of weeks, even going back to a few weeks last season. Yeah, and I, I hate to interrupt you here because I think you're doing a fantastic job of really hitting a, hitting a lot of points here because uh, speaking of Randy Evans and Keystone Lights, um, I know Randy's listening. Randy's a big fan. Um, he came in and said the exact same thing to me, but in a much more demonstrative manner this morning about feeling like that was a Paul Rhodes coach team. He said nearly verbatim what you just said. And the thing that I find really interesting is that not only did he say that, but I turned around and said the exact same thing you just did again, which was you have to go back to 2017 in senior leadership. Like that's what has changed on this team all of a sudden where there's not a guy out there that is the glue that holds everybody together. You had Kempt, you had Lanning, you had Lazard, you had leaders on you had leaders, you all had over leaders the field. on defense, you had senior leaders on defense. And that was that is literally the same thing that came out of my mouth. And Randy Evans, the next time you see him, will vouch for me on that one too. There, there is not any player accountability because Campbell, bless his heart, goes to the podium after the game and takes responsibility. Says that's a reflection on me, the lack of discipline. And you know Keith Murphy on Murphy's Law on Sound Off on Sunday night, he hit it on the head when he's talking about how Campbell says my feelings about the game would be the same. With, oh my goodness. My feelings about the game would be the same, whether we won or lost, if the result is different. Uh, no, I would no, feel about a thousand if, times. Better well, if I think won us for the fans, we would feel a hell of a lot better, but at the same time for the f- type of football Campbell wants to play. And maybe here's the deal. Um, in the big 12, this style of football works really, really well um, against teams that want to air it out and play five wide and have 15 possessions in a game. This style of football works really, really well. When you're playing a team like Iowa, and let's call a spade a spade here, Campbell might as well be like a 25-year-old younger version of Kirk Ferentz at this point. Yeah, I'd agree. You're in a system, we got to remember, it took Ferentz, what, three or four years to really get his guys to buy in and do the things they want to. They Campbell, went 0-5 to yeah, against Iowa State to they start. Went, and Campbell is now in year four. They know it's expected. They're getting there. But it might take, you know, we're still not at the point where we're going to out Ference Ference. And I think had we not had a rain delay and had some things like that, it looked like the playbook was going to open up a little bit. Um, I really had thought they were they should have probably tried to push tempo a little bit more than they did. Um, Iowa wants to take time of the, off the clock, and there were a lot of times where it felt like we had a half a second left before we were snapping the football. I understand that's a style of football. I really thought – Against their defense, as decimated as that secondary and defensive line were, um, I thought it would make more sense to push tempo. I also thought we'd see more just running at the defensive ends, things like that. But at the same time, call a spade a spade. There's a lot of talent on either teams. Brock Purdy was the best football player on the field Saturday. And there were a lot of times, you know, things broke down. Don't get me wrong. Both defenses played well. But there are a lot of times where you went on there, and that's why I had so much confidence when Iowa State gets a ball with 89 seconds left because two drives before that, Birdie had, Purdy had picked his spots and moved, drove the ball down the field easily. Yeah, I thought that was one of the best games we've seen from him as a Cyclone. Yeah, and I think he made some really, really um, ill-advised throws. He's had some very 
had some very errant throws, a couple that should have been picked, um, one that obviously was. But that, and like you said, like he he made some huge strides. Like he he, he didn't lit- have one that was picked. He, had, he lost a fumble. Oh, I, I thought he picked yeah. one off too. My bad. No, no. I I, no, de- I deleted the game off my DVR as soon as it was done. I really? Was, I just I was. No, it, it there were two or three times where there could have been interceptions, but at the same time, you could say the same thing for Nate Stanley. I was um, Mike Rose and Detrone Young both had interceptions in their hands that they dropped. I was pretty impressed with Nate Stanley. I'm going to be honest with you. I thought that um, you know, for as much as much guff as he had taken, you know, from not only Iowa State fans just making fun of him, but us not really caring in the first place, to his own fan base being super critical of him and his arm talent and how big of an arm he's got, but he could never seem to capitalize on anything. I saw him thread the needle on a couple ones and make some pretty pretty nice downfield throws. Uh, I thought to me that looked like some someone or something that could be a serviceable backup quarterback in the NFL. My thing about Nate Stanley has always been, I think the ceiling is very, very high for Nate Stanley. But I think we've seen it a lot, especially in the first half when he really got pressured. Don't wrong, his number line, I mean, he's still, I think he's 22 for 35, which he's still, I think, 60%, 65%, something like that. Which his, But his completion percentage this year still is under 60. Um, he can make big throws when he wants to. I don't think there was any bigger play in the whole game that we saw an offensive player make um, than that third and 22 where they convert. Um, that, that, that was huge. as good of a throw I've seen a college quarterback make in a long time. Um, in clutch, but there's a lot of throws where Nate, you know, that are simple throws that are, you know, five yard outs, you know, 10 yard slants that he just air mails. And I think the consistency with Nate stand now, there was a couple things I've seen and we've seen him do it a few times already is to keep the defense honest. He's tucked the ball and we actually saw a design QB draw at one point where he ran for seven yards on Saturday. And it's kept the defense wrong. So I'm wrong. He's not fleet of foot. Um, but him picking up yards, I think that's something he's added to on the ground when he can see him. That's something he's added to his game over the last year. Yeah, and and building on more offensive success, I would like to talk about the the way the offensive line played for Iowa State. I thought they did a hell of a lot better than they have in the past. I mean, you even texted me and said it. I mean, they made A.J. Epinesa look a lot more pedestrian, and I'm not – I had a lot of people say that they weren't really big Epinesa fans to start with, and, and that's understandable, but – you know, for a for a kid that played part time and then came in this year and was selected to the first team all season, all American team, preseason all American team, like that's saying something. And and it's no offense to uh, one of our young men that we, excuse me, one of Iowa State's young men that they have on the line. Um, Julian Good Jones is not ultra talented. He's taken. Here's the. I think he is talented. Um, and everybody thought this. He. He's a guy who Campbell's always thought has the ability and the talent to play every position on the offensive line. But Julian has not been able to stay out of Julian's head. Even if you watch things, it's just footwork, it's hands, it's little things that he's, for four years now, we've seen him not be able to stay out of his own way. That was the matchup that scared me the most going into this, was Good Jones lining up against Epinesa. It's like he just zoned in and knew what he had to do. And just once, I think, I think literally that was it as he went in, all right, you got one job. You I mean, don't wrong. There this. was a lot of chipping. We saw a lot of Chase Allen out there chipping on him. We saw a lot of, you know, running backs going in there and chipping on him when we needed to. Um, saw some better blocking from Kane and some of those guys in the backfield. But for the most part, I think he has one QB hurry and a tackle. Um, and, and his presence was felt. It's a little bit like Ray Lima sometimes where you, Lima doesn't always, you know, stuff the stat sheet, but his presence is definitely felt. And I think that over open some opportunity, but the offensive game plan as a whole, we saw a lot of them moving the pocket around. They saw a lot of Purdy rolling out. Um, they did a, I thought our game plan, 
to exploit Iowa's defense, or Iowa State's game plan, my apologies, to exploit Iowa's defense was about as good as we could have seen. And if you are a Big Ten offensive coordinator, this is a tape you are going to be watching a lot of. I agree. In yeah. the next few weeks. That's a, that's a fantastic point. I mean, we saw Tariq Milton take a play that was designed for seven, eight yards. I mean, 73 yards for a score because their safeties were the point where it was so easy to get behind the defense. Yeah. Yeah. If you're an Iowa fan, though, I, I don't think this is all – you don't wrong, you won the game. You didn't make mistakes. I don't think you're bragging about – well, there are no. there are some that are bragging about it. But but there's a lot you can take away from. There, here's the deal. We talked about Iowa State stopping their defense all the time, but whether the Iowa State offense stalled in the red zone that many times or the Iowa defense buttoned up. I mean, their defense still, they do what they've done since Norm Parker was alive, and that's bend but don't break. Yeah. Stanley made big plays when he's supposed to. They actually ran the ball better on Iowa State's defense than I thought they would. Um, I think if you're an Iowa fan, though, if you can get your secondary healthy and figure out some depth things, that was a surprising thing for me is Iowa State had more depth all around the field than Iowa did. Yeah, definitely. At least defensively, which is something we, we kind of thought would be the case. But it's been a long time since we've seen it. Maybe maybe been ever since we've seen Iowa State team that has more depth there than Iowa. But if you're an Iowa fan, if you can go in and play Big Ten teams like that, um, we'll get to it later, but the Big Ten kind of had a rough week. Um, I think you've got to feel good about your chances going forward. Yeah. Well, I guess all that being said, you know, there were some there were some mishaps, there were some mental mistakes on one side of the ball, and there were some some disciplined plays on the other side of the ball. And um, one stat I would like to point out, um, I saw Brett Brent Bloom shared this on Twitter, and it just stuck a dagger right through my heart. And then we'll uh, maybe we'll uh, move on from this topic, the sore subject. Um, in the last 500 games, um, teams that had seven plus yards per play, which was Iowa State on Saturday. Yeah, I think Iowa that, State had that played seven point seven yards that per offense. Played play, a which team is astronomical, that played a team that had less than three and a half yards per play. Those teams that gained seven or more yards were 498-2 and two after Saturday. Iowa State was one of those two losses. That is a, just an absolute crotch kick and just goes to show you how poorly they executed down the stretch. And, and that's all there is to it. And those, I think those mistakes will get fixed. I think they'll, I think they'll come back stronger. I'm not um, ready to bet on them against Louisiana Monroe, who has beaten Florida State this year. No, nah, I took Florida State to overtime. Still beat them. Uh, oh, they yeah. they beat they beat them by one. I'm pretty no, sure they lost by one. They took them to they took okay. it to overtime. Yeah. Um, Coles did you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm not ready to bet on that point spread. Iowa State's favored by 19 in that game. And yeah, I take Monroe to cover. I, th- yeah. I see something like a 27 to 14, 27 17 type of game. Yeah, I, yeah. One thing we know about Louisiana Monroe, they've got a really talented, I think, quarterback because their fourth year starting. Um, they can put up points. Um, Campbell called this in the tele. I don't know if you listened to the teleconference this morning. Campbell called this the most athletic team that Iowa State has had on the schedule so far, which isn't totally unbelievable. But um, for a middling Sun Belt team, I guess we'll find out. Yeah. Okay. I stand corrected. Yes, they lost in overtime, forty-five to forty-four. You, you should know better by now, Cole. All apologies. All apologies, everyone. Okay. Uh, let's move on. Let's uh, let's put that one to bed. On to the next one. We're on to UL Monroe. Iowa is on to. I think they're off this yeah, they're week off and this then have week. Middle Tennessee the week yep, after. That's correct. So um, I think that that is two games that if you were an Iowa fan, 
or your Kirk Ferentz are two weeks here that you have a lot of chance to get people healthy. Um, and good for them. Couldn't it come at a better time for uh, Big Ten play? And as much as this is painful to say out loud, I uh, I will root for the Hawks to have a, uh, a successful season because it'll make this loss look better. And I would hope that the rational Hawk fans out there would be hoping that we do the same because, um, you know, they, they need this win to look even better for them. And that's, uh, that's where we'll leave it from here on out. On to week four. Uh, that being said, uh, we'll get into segment three. We'll do Big Ten and Big 12 reactions. Um, you know, it's. I guess I'd like to start with the Big 12, if that's okay with you, um, since that's kind of our uh, our home schools conference here. Um, obviously, it's business as usual for the big boys. Okie State um, blows out Tulsa, I think, by three touchdowns. Um, Texas plays Rice, blows them out. There's a shock. Um, OU um, does the same thing to UCLA. I think won like 51 to 10, um, something ridiculous like 48, that. 14. Excuse me. Uh, 48-14, um, which was one of my locks of the week last week. Just want to point that out. Um, can, can we before we move on? Can we can we say something quick? Is that looked like a team that you know? You, oh hey, we paid you and I a million dollars to come here and play. Like come wrong, that was on the road. But what what is going on with UCLA? I understand Chip Kelly, and that's going to be a rebuild. But he might run out of time. I, he may not. This get is what this is year, the season. This is year two. This is year two, though. but. If it starts keeps going at this rate, he may not get the season. I mean, you can understand losing to Oklahoma. I mean, yeah. maybe not by that much, but that's okay. They're I mean, 0 3. You'll yeah, but losing to Cincinnati was not good. Well, I think the only saving grace from this point is the dumpster fire that is USC football. Yeah. So I mean USC were three games in the season. BYU plus four called that they, one too. They fired Lynn Swan and Clay Helton is hanging on by the heck, you know. I mean, when you lose your A D that decided to retain this head coach, um, you're hanging on by the skin of your teeth. That that's just about it. Yeah, um, I think you know the Big Twelve goes undefeated. Well, excuse me, they lose two games. Um, they lose they lose Iowa State against Iowa, and then we we lose Texas Tech on the road at Arizona. Um, it's probably a little bit of a trap game for you betters, and that again was one of my locks of the. Um, well, one of one of the ones that I in my personal sports book I was gonna take a take a flyer on, but decided not to pull the trigger. Uh, Texas Tech was minus two going to Arizona, and just with the way they had Arizona had played in recent weeks, I thought that was kind of a no brainer. Um, Arizona ends up beating them by two touchdowns, and which that surprised me a little bit, just because I I was actually pretty high on Tech, and I think Dan was too, and and to watch them lose. A game like that, and again, it's a trap game. I think you going to you're going to Arizona. They've they've had a rough start to the season here, um, one and one entering that game, and again lost to Hawaii in pretty pretty heartbreaking fashion. And and uh, they've got it they've got it figured out now. I think Arizona does. But oh, I, that's another thing where I'm surprised surprised Kevin Sum, Sumlin hasn't launched that one off a little further than he has. This yeah, is the second the, year there. I no, think. I think it's third. No. Could be. That's a lie. This is second. Jimbo so, Fisher's. Yeah, Jimbo's been. This is Jimbo's second. Yep, year you're right. You're yeah. right. Um, but other than that, I mean, this this week three, this week three stuff. There's really not many, um, not many high profile games. Obviously, I think there were some interesting, you know, non-conference matchups. This one, I'm the one. We got to talk about a couple teams that I think everybody was a little bit down on. Um, Kansas goes on the road, smokes and BC, doubles up. BC, which BC I think is an improved football team. I mean, but forty-eight to twenty-four on the road. They said that is Kansas's first road win against a Power Five opponent in like eleven years or something like that. Oh, no kidding, I didn't know that. Um, the other one that we got to talk about, and one that this is a team we really hammered 
the last couple of weeks, and I think everybody did, um, West Virginia goes on the road and, and takes it to NC State, who's got a pretty solid program under Dave Doran. Yeah. Um, so that was another one in my personal sports book. I think they were NC State was favored at minus six and a half, and I was just you'd be all over that. I, one. And you know what? I just sat there and I just couldn't make up my mind and couldn't make up my mind. Man, I'm so glad I didn't because West Virginia. I mean, they they freaking rolled and. Um, I, t- I took a couple notes looking through some stuff. Um, West Virginia was, prior to Saturday, was an FBS worst, 1.1 yard per carry. And I think they ended with like 170 rushing yards against NC State. I, so I think we got to look at it. Is, I think everyone expects West Virginia to eventually be improved um, under Neil Brown. And I think we think the same thing. I mean, say what you want about Les Miles, but he's going to bring better recruits. He's going to have a better system everything there in place at Kansas eventually. I don't think anyone expected them to go on the road and beat Power 5 opponents in the second week, second third week of the season. Um, that being said, Oklahoma looked impressive. K-State goes on the road and beats a good Mississippi State team. Um, that's that's a really big, I think, conference. I think K-State is getting votes right now. Or K-State. The other one we got to talk about is TCU goes on the road and beats, you know, what people think is, you know, a 7-8 a win Purdue team. Yep. Though Purdue has not started off the year with a bang either. No, no, I was I was pretty surprised at that TCU score. Um, they ran for quite a bit of yards. Um, I think they only completed eleven passes. Eleven like passes. Max Duggan was their um, leading passer with seventy yards. Alex Delton was one for one with five yards. They had um, seventy-five yards passing in a victory. The Iowan eighteen-year-old Max Duggan, true freshman, Council Bluffs Thomas Jefferson. <laughs> yeah, so it was. It, it, I'm sure it was interesting to watch i really wish i would have had the chance you know but that's kind of what having a game day here in ames um brings dan and i we we get a little lost in the shuffle sometimes and and have to kind of rely on some of the internet some of the writers for cbs or espn or 247 what have you wherever you like to get your uh, info we kind of have to rely on some of their stuff and then make our own dissections from the score and the stats and whatnot but um yeah that tcu game i think that 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 made me think a little bit more about how nasty their defense could be with only right. allowing well, they 13 like points to a they're a, back to playing gary patterson style of football yeah flying around that 425 athletes all over the field running the football playing great defense um that's going to be an interesting opponent at home in a couple of weeks yeah i agree that one's going to be a fun one so um like i said it's it's week 3 of college football moving into week 4 that's always um it, it always makes it a little bit more boring there's no really big conference implications and we'll uh we'll get to change that here in a couple of weeks um we do have one conference game starting in the Big 12 next week i think uh, maybe more than one i know west virginia and kansas play each other okie state and texas have each other um, that's a sneaky good game there. Yeah, that'll be o- a fun Okie one. State. I was is playing Spencer Sanders. I think we found out it's a real deal. Yep, yep. So we've only got we've actually only got what is this one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven of the Big Twelve teams in action. Okie Oklahoma's on break, um, and then we've uh, got that marquee matchup with Oklahoma State and Texas, and Texas is minus five and a half right now. Um, I'm not gonna lie. I'm probably laying Texas five and a half. I'm gonna take them to cover that spread at home. With what they did against LSU, right? Nope. I think you're. I think you're. So, so that's uh, that's kind of where we're at with the Big Twelve. It's just kind of a kind of just a lull in the action here, and I think here in about a week or two, we're really going to start getting into the teeth of this stuff. But yeah, I think at this point, though, the the amount of Power Five opponents the Big Twelve beat on the road this last week shows something about the strength of the conference. Yeah, and it was it was nice to see. Obviously, we can all say, oh, one thing we didn't even. T- I can't even believe we did this, but I mean, we're not big K State guys. They beat 
Mississippi State yep, on, the on the road. road. Yeah. An SEC opponent. I mean, a, a good Mississippi we, State team. There was a lot of people down on K State coming into this year. And, uh, no, Kleiman's ahead of schedule. They're, he's killing it right now. And that, that game makes me nervous. I mean, we get them the get last. In Manhattan. In Manhattan. That'll be a fun game. We should go to that. I'd, I'd be in. So, K State obviously is a surprise. Kansas is a surprise. Um, West Virginia shocked us a little bit here with that win. So, we, it's going to turn so, interesting. We've got everybody in the Big 12s above 500. Right. I think no one's got more than one loss right now. No. So it's going to make conference play starting here this week, and then when we really get into the teeth of it next week, um, you know, week five when it really ramps up, it's going to be uh, it's going to be fun to watch. But um, let's keep going here. Let's uh, let's let's get to the Big Ten a little bit here. Um, I'm going to give uh, what's that guy's bear on College Game Day? Chris Falca. Chris, yeah, Chris isn't it Felica or something. Yeah. There you- Anyways. Chris, the bear on college game day. I uh, wish he was an avid listener. That'd be cool. Uh, he has those little three board, three big board bets that he has up top. His one on top was Eastern Michigan over Illinois. And he didn't take him to win. He took him to cover the 20 points or whatever it was that they had. Eastern Michigan goes into Champaign and wins the game. Right. Which is pretty remarkable. I mean, I honestly don't know much about what Lovey Smith's going on, and I couldn't even it, tell well, you the first just, thing about Eastern It hasn't Michigan. been good. It, Illinois, ha- I think everyone was really encouraged by their 2-0 start, but it's back to looking like the Illinois team we've seen the last two years under Lovey Smith. It, there's a reason Iowa State is going into Illinois and, and pulling out a bunch of highly rated recruits. Let's let's call a spade a spade. And it's funny, with as good of a week as the Big 12 had, I would I would almost venture to say the Big 12 had – the complete inverse of the that. The Big Ten did. Yeah. Or, excuse me, the Big Ten had the complete inverse of that outside of – Outside of really two or three There teams. was some wins, but, you know, again, I said business as usual with um, OU and and Texas. It's business as usual for Ohio State. You you can't – We can't deny them anything oh, at man. this point. They're, they're on fire. Illinois gets beat at home against Eastern Michigan. Maryland comes back down to earth, goes to Temple. Temple, apparently, I think I saw a stat here, out of their last six ranked opponents they've faced, they've beaten four of them. I think we all might have been. I think we were really pumped up about Maryland last week. That it came was, crashing down it hard. It was fun to watch with the Syracuse game. I'll, I'll, I'll give us that, but it did come crashing down hard. Penn State only wins by a touchdown at home right. against a rival Pittsburgh. Well, Granted, it's a rival. You, there's, rivalry game. Yeah, but, you know, it's they played two two Conference USA teams, I think, or maybe a Sun Belt and then a Conference USA team, right. and obviously scored a ass load of points. Well, and then – came back down to earth a little bit when they had to play Pittsburgh and only win by a touchdown late. I mean, UNLV in Northwestern, Northwestern wins that game. The one we've really got to talk about, um, and credit this for another Power 5 matchup going on, is Michigan State, who has had a lot of hype and a lot of people pumped up about MSU, um, gets beat by the fight in Herm Edwards um, and only puts up seven points in the process. Um, So that's one where I think at home we could see Maryland and Michigan State and some of these teams, you know, you know, I don't think they dropped out this week yet, but we're we're gonna see. You know, if if things continue the way they are, Nebraska only has another three point win over Georgia Southern. No, that was, oh, Minnesota. was Minnesota. Georgia Southern, I think that was the team that pushed Nebraska the first week of this. this Alabama, that was Alabama, Southern Alabama. No, like Alabama that was Southern. A&M or that was BS. Southern Alabama. I'm sorry, I've got my directional Alabamas and Georgias confused. <laughs> um, but no, regardless, Georgia Southern. Uh, put the scare into Minnesota again. I think Minnesota, I don't think anybody – don't wrong, very young team. Um, I think 
people were probably expecting a little, myself included, were expecting a little bit more out of them by this point in the season. Yeah, I agree. And, and you know, like we touched on earlier, Purdue gets beat by TCU. Um, you know, some of those close losses are, you know, under I – don't, I don't even know what you call them, inexcusable. I guess I'm not really totally shocked by the Arizona State-Michigan State. Herm, Ed's, Herm Edwards has this real funny thing going on. It's going right on, now. and everybody – It's really weird. I remember when, Ed, when Herm Edwards was hired after – Working at ESPN for the last nine years. He didn't even years. know who this. He didn't even know like what their mascot was. No, no. I mean, he just wanted to go be a coach, and he said he was going to take this NFL model. I remember texting you and some other buddies about it. How he's going to take this this NFL model to college football, and you know they're not going to keep all these kids on scholarship, and they'll cut them, and they're going to do all this other stuff. And I said, wow, this is going to be fun to watch crash and burn. That's a sneaky good Pac-12 South team right now. It's weird. He's, they were last year to finish too. He's got them drinking the Kool Aid, and I kind of love it. <sighs> I mean, but outside of the Pac-12, Pac-12 South, UC, USC, I mean, I don't see that coming out. I, I really don't know. Utah, Utah, it looks tough. Looks good. Mm-hmm. Um, people are calling them a playoff contender. I'm not going to jump on that no, bandwagon just yet. Um, but other than that, I don't know. It's tough to say what else may come. I mean, they may be a Pac-12 title game representative yeah. at this point. Yeah, and let's not uh... – Let's not forget to mention here. Um, we'll make sure we do it nice and quickly. Uh, Nebraska wins um, forty-four to eight. Uh, somehow it looks like they got a safety scored on them. Which, I mean, let's go, guys. I, I saw this um, from a few different people. The the best thing that Iowa and Iowa State did, um, just combined effort on Saturday was moving Nebraska off of FS1 and onto the Fox Business Channel. Yes. <laughs> because of our game get, not getting over. If we can all agree on one night. thing, it's that we're all just happy about Nebraska getting the shaft on that one. That was oh, that great. was fantastic. That was fantastic. Well, uh, again, mundane week in, in college football. Let's, uh, let's keep it rolling. Let's keep the train rolling. Let's get on to week four here. Um, like I said, there's a lot of fun stuff at the same time that happened, a lot of really interesting things. Um, that we touched on here, um, but let's uh, let's get into the heat index here. And I suppose one thing that I want to change a little that um, the format, the way that we did this, I want to do the two hot-blooded teams first right. from both conferences that you like, and then the two cold-blooded teams that you don't like from each conference. Um, that'll make my transitions go a little bit smoother when I uh, get into GarageBand here and start editing a little bit more. But um, I can go, I can start, or you can start. Um, actually, yeah, Dan, why don't you, uh, let's start with uh, your Big 12 hot-blooded team. Who you got? Well, I think there's a couple of them that are pretty obvious at that point. Um, Oklahoma being one. Um, we expected them to be good. We, I don't think anybody expected them to be this good at this point. Um, they're just manhandling opponents. It's going to be fun to see. Are they done with non-conference play now? I'm trying to think. They have they should have had three non-conference games now, right? Yeah. Who? Right, because they had Houston, South Dakota, and UCLA. So they're full-blown into conference play after their bye week this week. Yeah, that's right. Um, I'm excited to see Alex Grinch's improved defense against Big 12 opponents. Um, I'm excited to see Jalen Hurts because I, I made a joke, I think it was to you and Trent, over the weekend about, oh, Jalen Hurts, easy clubhouse leader for the Heisman right now, which, you know what, very true. Um, 100%. I, I also said Oklahoma has not played a Power 5 opponent yet, which that's a little <laughs> bit of shaft of the Pac-12, sorry, um, but mildly true. 
So I'm excited to see what they do. The other one for me that I was kind of pumped up and kind of excited to see just because I'm a big fan of their head coach. I'm a big fan of this school in general. Um, TCU coming out. They've been down last year. They've had a lot of injuries. I mean, they haven't played this well since probably Travon Boykin was there. Um, I'm excited to come see TCU come out. And I, I think – I don't know if they're a Big 12 contender, but I, I think that's going to be eight or nine-win team you know, this year. I'm going to punch you in the mouth because I asked you for one hot-blooded team, and then you just took mine right, right from me right there in front, right. in front of everybody. <laughs> just right there in front of everybody. You just stole it. I'm smarter. What can I say? That's a fact. Um, so that was that was mine. TCU. Um, once again, their defense looked good against Purdue. Um, got a got a big win. Um, I I thought that one was. I, I even wrote that one down because I thought there was no way you'd even pick it. Um, I kind of thought that you'd turn the table on me and go West Virginia or something funny like that. But um, now West Virginia will get housed by like somebody by like yeah. twenty five points this week. Yeah, and well, my, actually no, they're playing Kansas. That'll be an interesting game of ineptitude right there. Yeah, I agree. Um, my Big Ten, my Big Ten hot blooded team. Um, I would, I, I hate to just keep beating the same dead horse, but Ohio state, um, like you said, is just doing its thing and we cannot discredit them or count them out from anything. Um, I was reading a lot of different, um, blogs and embedding websites on where to go with point spreads this week. And Indiana was a super trendy pick to cover the spread. Um, maybe Ohio state taking a step backwards, maybe just falling a little flat in a couple spots. Um, I think Indiana was maybe underdogged only by about 18 points, 18, 19 points. I, again, that was one that I, I was trying to bet with my head and, uh, I stayed away from it at the end because I wasn't sure I, I kind of got talked into the whole Indiana thing and I was going to take Indiana to cover and thank God I didn't because boat raced. I, I think, uh, Urban Meyer or take that back. Justin Fields is the prototypical Urban Meyer quarterback for a football team that no longer has Urban Meyer. Um, he's big, he's physical, he's fast as shit. Um, they look really impressive. The other one I got to say, and this is a f- team that's been really impressive, and maybe we should have should have seen a bounce back year coming. I think Cole predicted it. Um, Scani looks pretty good. John- Jonathan Taylor tailback looks looks pretty dang good out there. I mean, that one is gonna be fun to see when they get into conference play. Because right now, I mean, I was a solid football team. I don't think they have the horses probably to match up with Wisconsin right now. That Wisconsin Ohio State really I don't we should look up the schedules. Do they have a cross division game this year or not that they'll play each other? Um I will look. Um because that will could be a very entertaining Big Ten championship game at this point with some contrasting styles. Yeah, and and you know, Wisconsin is gonna Wisconsin a lot of the time. I mean they're they're Wisconsin, just Wisconsin, Ohio State, ten twenty six. So October twenty sixth. Cool. That'll be one to watch there. Yeah, that's the same. That's the same day as the Okie State game, I think. I think is that our homecoming game that week. That's right. Okay. Yep, that's right. Okay. Um, but no, it's um, it's it's going to be interesting. Like you said, I think Wisconsin's really putting on a show right now. They're uh, they're doing what they want to do, and and Wisconsin, or excuse me, Iowa is always kind of I thought to attempted to build their program like Wisconsin has in the past, and I think that's what's given them so much success. Now it seems that. One of these days, Iowa, you know, Iowa gets in some body shots here and there and gets to the Orange Bowl and gets to the Big Ten Championship and, you know, what have you. But one of these days, I mean, I, I just don't really know that, that Wisconsin's ever going to pass the mantle. It just sure doesn't seem like it to no, me. No, I mean, we, we've seen them do it. it gone from Alvarez to his hand-picked successor, um, Bielema. 
you know, to no wrong. I think what well, Gary Anderson was just there for a little bit. Now we've got Paul Christ, but don't wrong. The Hawkeye fans will say that Wisconsin actually was built in Iowa's image because um, Barry Alvarez yeah. was on, on Hayden Fry's staff, yep. okay. which I also heard this weekend that the only reason K-State ever had any success in their history is because uh, Bill Snyder was on Hayden Fry's staff. So oh, if you know that, um, Iowa is the reason any college football program is successful, just so anyone knew. So, Yeah, but. Nick Saban grew up an Iowa fan, so I don't know if you guys <laughs> the, know that. The best one I saw, and I understand there's some, there's some – connection there was when Eric Church was selected for game day, which Eric Church is cool. I think a lot of people are big Eric Church fans. I would love to see somebody with a little more tie to the university. Um, but it was basically like, hey, it's a bunch of drunk Midwesterners who like country music, so we're gonna have Eric Church. Which wasn't even original. They've had a they've Eric Church has been the game day guest picker before. Um and then I saw a bunch of Hawkeye fans tweeting like, well Eric Church is a Hawkeye fan because he knows the Bethards. I'm like, okay, well I grew up in the same town as like Kyle Vandenbosch grew up and um I had a there was a classmate of mine who got married to Brandon Scherf. Does that mean I'm a Nebraska and an Iowa fan? Like, I, I think calling someone like that guilty by proxy is, is a little bit. But that's the typical it's, Iowa fan. It's so. a little bit of a reach, but yeah, yeah that's no, all right. Oh, Baker! Careful. Oh, Baker! He didn't turn the ball over there. That was nope, kind of surprising. that looks like something he usually fumbles. Yeah, it so. sure did. Okay, um, next we'll move on to um, what I like to call Frosty the Snowman, or what Dan likes to refer to as "You're as cold as ice." You're as cold as ice. You will. Because that's because I wanted to go with two foreigner songs. Everybody loves foreigner. Um, I'm I'm. We've already touched on this one. I, I don't need to talk too much about it. But mine is just Michigan State Big Ten. Um, just the way that they lost that game too. I don't. We never even touched on that earlier. But um, young man comes in and a 42 yard field goal absolutely hammers it home, and somehow Mike D'Antonio, Mike a Mike D'Antonio coached team has 12 kids on the field that, and they line yeah. it back up and this kid i i wonder just the way that his ball trajectory was and the way that it came off of his foot the way it looks looks like he really felt like he needed to pummel it so that being said he didn't think he had enough leg for a 47 yard field goal which okay he's still a college kicker 47 yards is a long ways there's no way in hell i'd ever be able to do it because i'm not athletic uh Natural born athlete the, over here. In the the, the kid, side. you can tell with the way that that ball flies off of his foot that it just goes so sharp left, and it's a knuckleballer. Like he knew he was going to have to put the mustard on it, and the poor kid missed the field goal 20 yards to the left of the post, like not even close. And that was that was really, really heartbreaking. I bet that kid felt so terrible, but um, that's my cold-blooded team. We'll see how they bounce back. Right. Um, mine kind of goes in there. Michigan State, I I think everybody was expecting a big bounce back year out of them. It could still happen. D'Antoni teams are kind of like Iowa teams, kind of like Iowa State teams. They get better over the course of the season. Oh, Pastor Francie caught that ball. Um, in that sense, the conference as a whole was a little bit down. Outside of, I will say this, I think the top end of the Big Ten is going to be better than we thought it would be. Um, I think Wisconsin is a legit top ten team. Um, Michigan is a legit top 25 team. Um, Ohio State is a legit playoff contender. Um, that being said, there's a couple of middling teams. I think Michigan State will bounce back. Iowa's right there. Um, I think, but Purdue, Indiana, Northwestern, Purdue is kind of mine for the week because, you know, I think people expected under Bomb they were going to keep getting better. Remember, they knocked off Ohio State um, before and all these other teams that that was going to be a, a contender out there. And at this point, um, they're searching for answers. 
Yeah, yeah, that's a good pick too. I we'll we'll see what happens. I think it's more that, like per down. Yeah. <laughs> wow, I see what we did there. Um, mine in the Big Twelve, um, just because it was really the only team that just didn't look super great. One that I was not impressed with. And again, pom poms are on. I'm just gonna call Iowa State down for the time being. Um, they're they're cold blooded, um, but it's not to say they didn't play well. The problem is is that they deserve to win, and a lot like Michigan State you know, found a way to lose in the end of the game. So I'll call them my cold-blooded team. Um, you know, you guys have heard us talk about that all all part of the podcast to start here. But um, they're not going to stay cold for long. And, again, my worry meter is at a three, up from two from last week. But that's only because it had nowhere to go but up, essentially. We'll see how they perform against UL Monroe, and then we'll talk. That's a 19-point 19, 19 spread. They're not going to win by 19, but they should not – lose that game by any stretch of the imagination. They should not. Um, I can see this being a little bit of a weird game, like some of ours against Akron. Akron. Yeah, and some of those other have been. All I want to see, I want to see a 7-10 to point win, and I want to see mistake-free football. Um, I'm encouraged. That is all I want to see at this point. Um, Iowa State is my cold-blooded team of the week, too. Or not cold-blooded. It's my, you're as cold as ice. Willing to sacrifice our love. Yeah, I'm, I'm karaoke corner over here. Um, that's my. I just like I said, I'm frustrated with the amount of mistakes. If we go back even to halfway through last season, it this is not what Campbell wants to do. I get it. There's young players, but there's also senior leaders. It's time for the Ray Limas, the Marcel Spears, um, and guys like that to step up. So I, I'm I'll, I'm encouraged by what I saw the offensive line. I'm encouraged. Um, remember, remember two weeks ago how we were freaking out about how Purdy didn't want to run the ball or throw down the field. Well, he did both those things very successfully. He did do an incredible job. Um, and I will say this: Campbell Stones to come out with a trick play out of that break. That I mean, caught them dead on their heels. That is one thing. I'm sorry. I'll have to go back to the Iowa State Iowa game. I, I had the 110 percent opposite reaction why not to that. Ca- no i catch them while they're asleep because what they were expecting is campbell to go line up run the ball things like that catch them on their heels i had the total opposite reaction to it and it was just me being a pessimist because you're a pussy. with with the uh with the previous and everyone can hear dan's harm dan harmson's drink has been empty for the past four times he's taken a drink out of it it's ice is melting <laughs> it's delicious the the thing that i didn't point out or that I had the opposite reaction to was that I was not a fan of that trick play. It totally caught them on their heels and that's all well and good. And they did the exact last thing that they expected them to, but I have a different mentality with trick plays, fake punts, fake field goals, flea flickers. And maybe it's old man way of thinking it, but if you can't line up and beat somebody straight up and you got to use a trick play, even that early in the game, what are you telling your opponent to me? That says, I don't think that I can beat you going head-to-head. Or as football football guy stuff, hat on a hat. I don't think I can do it. That's how I read it. And, again, it's, it's glass half-empty em- half type stuff. I'm not saying that that's the truth. It was a fun play to watch. They definitely caught him on their heels. Deshante Jones was a quarterback in high school. Obviously threw the ball. I mean, a perfect ball. A perfect Pet- Petway ball. had 30 yards open field. Well, right. Can you imagine what would happen if he'd have missed that throw? Oof. Oh, that would have looked even worse. To me, it's it's no different, though. Like, it's just gamesmanship. That's being a football coach. We see Ferentz throwing an occasional flea flicker end around. 
Um, Once every 10 years. No, I, I think that's just gamesmanship. That's being a football coach. You know what I mean? And that's, you know, how I think it go back a little bit. How many little bubble passes or screens do we see Deshante Jones catch against you and I? A lot. A bunch. Well, obviously they're setting up something. That's, um, that's fine. I just, I wasn't a fan of it. I, it was fun to watch. Don't get me wrong. It was fun to watch. It just, again, to me, it tells me that you don't think you're good enough to go head to head. That's all. That's just my view. All right. Well, we'll let you be wrong. So there's that. Shut up, Dan. <laughs> um, okay. So we'll, uh, we'll keep the train rolling here, guys. We'll, uh, we'll finish up with a couple more things here. Um, matchups to wa- watch for week four. I don't know if you dove into what's going on in the country. Um, again, it's, it's kind of a mundane part of the year, um, for college football, big 12, big 10, sec, all those conferences included. I think Clemson plays Charlotte and is like a 42 point favorite. I I just, I don't, I don't understand the, the reasoning behind scheduling these cupcakes, cupcakes so late. But then again, Iowa state's got week four matchup against what you would assume to be a uh, easy win, but I guess that remains to be seen. Um, for me, I had I wrote down four different matchups, um, all with the betting lines on them, which is what made them interesting to me because I could see them kind of shaking out a couple different ways. Um, Michigan at Wisconsin, um, Wisconsin being favored by three and a half points. I am after the show is done, after we're done with the podcast, I'm going to go lay some money on that one. That's easy money right there. You're stealing, you're stealing right there. Um, the next one that I think is stealing is LSU at Vanderbilt. LSU is a 24-point favorite. Uh, they're going to win that game by 35 points. Um, I would take that one to the bank for sure. Um, that one, that one's pretty easy, especially with the way that we've seen LSU play over the past couple weeks. Their offense has been on fire. Um, they played Northwestern Louisiana or something. Uh, it's Coach O's um, alma mater, even, oh, really? and they I think they beat him. Coles, did you know? Uh, did you know segment? Um, they beat them by fifty some odd points. Um, so I'm gonna be looking for LSU to keep up the blistering pace that they're on. Um, the Fighting Joe Burrows to continue their hot streak. OSU at Texas on CBS Sports. The line has now moved to five and a half, uh, minus five and a half for Texas. The one I saw on the William Hill, the Bill Hill sports book down at Prairie Meadows, was at five points earlier today. Um, that's another one I'm going to take. I'm taking Texas in that one. I think they're going to beat OSU by 10 points at home um, with the way that that LSU game kind of ended. Um, even though they just had Rice, Rice is an in-state opponent, but that's another one of those tune-up. It's a good old SWAC SWC matchup. Yep, yep, just a little tune-up game for uh, for for Texas. Old, yeah, the old-school in-state rivalry, I guess, what you could call it, or in-state doormat. Tony Cash really likes to live because he, he, he went to A&M in the 70s. He, he loves to talk about the glory days of the SWC. The SWC. The SWC. Played Rice, played Houston. <laughs> it's great. It's great. Good old days. So my, Arkansas. My last one here, I've got Big Ten, SEC, Big 12, and I'm going to stay away from the ACC because – Garbage. Dumb. Uh, I'm going to the Pac-12 – my fighting Justin Herberts. Oh God! On the road at Stanford. Stanford plus ten. I'm taking Oregon to cover the ten. To cover the ten. Uh, Stanford. I forget who they played last week. Um, I should have written UCF. that down. UCF. Uh, got beat by twenty five points by UCF. Now, obviously, UCF different kind of football. Different team. football team, but on the road as well. Similar styles here. That's true. So I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take Oregon. Minus the 10 on that one, um, but that could easily go 
either way, I'm sure. Obviously, Stanford at home is a different animal. Stanford was in Orlando for that UCF game. That's probably a little bit of an anomaly for them. Man, to you want to talk about two clashes of cultures. You go from Stanford, West Coast, educated to Central Florida. <laughs> which which is more like fourth grade educated. Yeah, that's fine. right. It's fine, man. Every, oh, is that man. Trevor Simeon? So. Simeon? Oh, my gosh. Third stringer. Who are we? I think Luke Falk. Is Luke Falk oh, the, the no. Washington State grad? I'm pretty sure. Third string. Oh, that's a bummer. Oh, my, oh, Miles Garrett picks up a rushing rushing the passer, dude. roughing the passer. Ooh, that ooh, that's clean, isn't it? Yeah, who cares? Okay, so that continue watching, on. Watching Sorry. this, no, I'm all done with the week four matchups. Oh, this is not his even, ankle goes the wrong way. This is we're we're going right into this because that looks like a clean. Bro, that looks like a broken ankle. That's a clean hit by Miles Garrett on Trevor Simeon. He yeah, just how do you stop their your ball. momentum? How do you, you stop don't, your momentum? And there? that's what I'm going to get into right now. I want to talk about the NFL. I watched a little bit of football on Saturday and or excuse me, on Sunday, the NFL, and I had to turn the shit off. The refs are horrible. The games are horrible. The only teams worth watching right now are Baltimore, New England, Kansas, Kansas City. City. Oh yeah, Parker was has been very upset by uh, for us for not having any Chiefs references so far. Just want to you know that. So we got to get one in this week. You're fine, Parker. Get over <laughs> it. The games to me are just unwatchable. It's just it's this dumpster fire that comes from all these new rules that they've implemented to keep their quarterbacks safe. Well, and like I challenging get it. pass interference. I understand the point and why it happened. Can't we make that a booth review? Because. The game was already so slow as it is. I just more breaks. I do not think that these old white-haired, crusty bastards can keep up with these these wide receivers, these athletic running backs, and these athletic wide receivers, defensive backs, and linebackers alike. They see these plays happen too fast, and they flip a coin and say, "Well, that might have been pass interference." And more often than not, their coin flips are wrong. They're calling PIs that are not PIs. They're not calling pass interference when it's clearly contact before the ball gets there. They're calling these roughing the passer calls like the one that we just saw with Miles Garrett, who, granted, he hit Trevor Simeon pretty hard, but is this not football? Like, if I wanted to watch soccer, I'd turn on the UEFA crap. Like, this is, this is dumb. It's, it's turned into college basketball flopping. Everything's a penalty. Everything hurts the other person too much. And I get it. The NFL's got to protect their image. They're trying to keep this game safe for everybody. But at some point, don't, you, don't to, you have to look in, at this? In trying to protect the future of the game, they're destroying the game's present. I, I, I really agree with you. That's where I'm at. Yes, they're, they're destroying the game's present. And I'm not saying that football's not going to stay around for forever. That's, that's obviously not the case. I'm not like 1985 Bears, like everybody needs to play with a concussion. That's not what I'm saying. But – the, the point being is that we have turned this game into more of a pillow fight than anything, and it's been a serious bummer to watch because, you know, I think that there are, there are measures that they can take with the equipment, and you've seen it with the helmets, with the Antonio Brown thing. Oh Speaking of Antonio Brown, we'll get to that in a second. With some of these helmet protocols that they've had, there's all these new upgraded technologies and padding in these helmets, and you're not even allowed to use one that's over – like four or five years old, like it has to be new technology. And that's great. I think the fact that they're taking into consideration all these factors to keep players heads safe, because really those are the, those are the parts of the body that you really need to protect in this game because you, your mind can't go. You might, you might break a, break a leg and have your career ruined like that one bears tight end that happened to like four years ago in new Orleans when he literally snapped his leg in half. Right. 
you didn't take the kid's mind from him, and that's fine. And those mistakes happen. Those accidents happen. You, you're not going to be able to prevent well, and there, all injury. There are individuals where we've seen that happen, all right, Gronk. So yeah, and I, the the good for him, like he bailed out when he he, he did. I mean, what the guy said, he's probably had twenty or thirty concussions. And, and I'm so happy for him that he's decided to hang up the towel and like that's what he's he's wanted to do. But this this player empowerment movement that we've seen, and I don't know, oh, maybe Jalen Ramsey requested a trade today from the Jaguars as well. Um. Mika Fitzpatrick, Dolphins. Oh yeah, last year's first well, round draft. Pick. Call a spade a spade here. Um, would you want to play for the Dolphins right now? No. This is this is Who the wants most. To play for the Dolphins. I'm, is, you know what? That being said, everyone tweet in, convince Cole n- a new NFL team. I'm tired of this. I'm I'm not being with the Dolphins anymore. I'm done with it. You just wonder the regime. Someone there, sell me the regime there. We've seen a lot of NBA teams straight up tank. But the big, but the NFL is not really designed for tanking to work because the way the schedules work. You know, if you're a last place team, you play a last place play schedule. So usually we see rapid improvement. Um, the Dolphins just look like they want to lose. They actually tanking for two actually here may be an actual thing. It looks real. I also saw some rumors, rumors and rumblings today that, you know, despite like obviously the Panthers aren't going to start trying to tank, but um, I've seen people calling for Cam Newton to be bench. And I know, um, you know, let him play the year, but they're talking Justin Herbert. Cam Carolina wants to go after Herbert. There's, I mean, there's going to be some players. I just, are you willing to give up? Cam Newton was an MVP, what, two or three years ago. It's it's amazing to me. Yeah. But the, we're going to see even more problems in the NFL, though. Roethlisberger's put on IR. Um, we don't know. How, and Drew Brees is, you know, probably going to retire after this season anyway, but he's done for six or seven weeks. Um, don't get me wrong. We've got a lot of young quarterbacks coming in and playing very well. Um, Gardner Minshew's been pretty impressive for Jacksonville the last two weeks. Um, but at the same time, quarterbacks are what makes this league good and make things happen. And well, the same here. We, we don't, I mean, the Jets are on their third string quarterback in this game right now. Yeah, it's, it's going to be pretty interesting to watch, um, here going forward. Like I said, I'm not, I'm not a big NFL guy, and once again, if someone can convince me otherwise to to stick with the NFL, truthfully, I'm leaning more towards a Midwest team as much as it pains me to say. Like, I'm talking, um, you know, NFC, NFC North type team, um, AFC, what's Chiefs are in the AFC South, is that right? No, no, AFC, AFC West. West, excuse me. I'm talking, you know, Denver, Kansas City, Minnesota, Chicago, Green Bay, um, you know, the 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 teams around us are going to be ones that I start rooting for mainly because you'll be able to see them on TV way more often. Um, ah, hell, I'll even take Cleveland. Hunter, Hunter, convince me. Sell me on Cleveland. It's a pretty easy sell, though. Baker, Baker, touchdown maker. But I, I don't know. Fantasy football, I've I honestly stopped paying attention to fantasy football. And you know me, how much I used to love to, you know, sit around and BS about fantasy football. I've just I've lost interest with watching these games. It's not even fun anymore for me. And and you know, basically, it's the, only, the to, only reason that I'm ma- that I'm that I'm not interested in it anymore is because I'm tired of kicking your guys' no, ass and all of it. <laughs> no, I that's, NFL's the same way with Major League Baseball though. It will get real interesting post Week Ten when playoff races start heating up. Which, by the way, the Cubs Cubs are back. They've won four in a row. They, they got a shot. They're still they're back to only two games. Yeah, they two games down with they, the Cardinals. Uh, but Anthony Rizzo is in a walking boot. So they, there's that. They kicked off with the Reds tonight at seven o'clock. Um, They've got three three game stretch with the Reds here. Dan, you're all over the drink ice rattling into the microphone. Sorry. We're gonna have to correct this. We apologize to all the the award winning listeners out there. Oh, sorry, <laughs> that's that was a stolen line from from part of my take. AWLs oh, award win- My bad, my bad, everybody. First ballot Hall of Fame listeners. 
<laughs> so, well, with that, uh, with that being said, Dan, you got anything else? What else you want to talk about? No, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of good here. I, I, what was fresh in my mind? Um, for me, I just, I'm ready to see some improvement. I'm ready to get into conference play. Non-conference is great. Um, but just, I think there's going to be I'm, some fun conference. I'm ready races, for week five. I'm ready. And we're for just going to go. You know, um, I just think. I just think me and you as in general are, are sick of watching piss poor mistakes yeah. from cycling football. Yeah. That's and, and just in general, like weeks one and week two are always filled with a couple real fun matchups, you know, like we saw with Maryland and Syracuse and then a couple of the other non-conference games. Those first two weeks are always a blast. And then right. week, week three takes a little bit of a nosedive. Week four is about the same way with a lot of teams. There's a couple fun ones like Wisconsin and Michigan are playing. Obviously everyone's going to be tuned into that one. And then OSU and Texas, there's a couple big ones. Fun. But, but, you know, and and the same with the NFL here. Once once week ten hits, week eight, nine, ten hits, it's going to make things a lot more interesting. There's going to be teams that are way out of it and teams that are in the thick of things, and it'll be a lot more fun. It'll be much more must see TV and not just feeling like preseason stuff. But I've got one for you to stew on in between now and the next episode. Let's hear it. If the Cubs miss the playoffs or lose in the first round of the playoffs, which I think both are probably going to ha- could either easily happen. Is it time for a new voice and manager? Yeah, Madden's Madden's managing for his job right now, and and it pains me to say that, but it, it's it's just they're the team's not responding like they used to, and I, that's obviously not by design. I just don't I don't want to say Joe has outworn his welcome. It's just it it might be time to turn the page unless he can. I mean, granted, he's won four in a we've got four in a row right now. We're looking for number five against the Reds tonight again. We've got the Reds for two more games at home. We get the Cards, the Reds, and the Pirates again to end the year on the 29th of September. We start looking at that. Chris Bryant is hotter than McDonald's coffee right now. I think he's well, hitting five hundred. Well, we still have no Javi Baez and now no Anthony Rizzo yeah. for the extended oh, future. By the way, big, Nico big Horner. Nico Horner has been tearing it up after skipping AAA ball. Nick Castellanos is Castellanos. Been, if we don't resign Castellanos, big mistake. I will be pissed. Yeah. We're gonna have to, you know, if we if we get through the first round, we're gonna we're gonna be a wild card team. I want everybody to, if we don't make the wild, we're not winning the division. Cards are gonna win that by four games. We're gonna get the wild card, hopefully. If we don't get the wild card, I think then, I mean, the it's a done deal with Madden. I mean, he's probably out. Well, I think if, if they we miss the wild card, I think they'll trade KB. If it, uh, that's a tough one. I've kind of been clamoring for KB to go anyways, but not because not because I don't like him. I think KB isn't remarkable bargaining chip. Right. You can get whatever you want. Well, what we need to do is trade for some young pitching. I, I think that's time because 100% us, us trading for Quintana and signing Darvish and all this other stuff. Like, I'm sorry, not working out. The Darvish one looks really bad. Um, the Quintana one. I has mean, for its, what we gave up, but for what we gave up. No, I it's, it hasn't looked good so far. It's been a year and a half of Quintana in the rotation. I mean, the um, most little, automatic guy, the most automatic guy is still, I mean, it's Craig, still Kim, Craig Kimbrell doesn't look like an incredible no, signing the, either. The only automatic guy is still Hendricks. Lester has been up and down as of late. I've never been a big John Lester guy, but I, I just and Hamill's. I mean, Hamill's contract runs up after this year, and they won't resign him. No, he's old. I think he's in thirty-eight or thirty-nine. I just that's where I want to know is where's the young pitching going to come from. I almost wonder. You know, you said trade KB. What if this turns into okay? Uh, we trade KB, we trade, or we we don't trade, but we get rid of Madden. God forbid you trade Rizzo. You no, Listen, no, 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 no. Let me finish my thought. You trade Rizzo. Rizzo is untouchable. You, you strip it to the studs. I think there are two players right now on the Cubs roster that are untouchable. There's two of them, 
and it's the young core. It's your quarterback in Javi Baez, and it's your Contreras. and it's your center Contreras. Exactly. It's no, those two I, pieces I, I, right I there. I think Anthony Rizzo. Anthony Rizzo is your Derek Jeter. He's a cap like. Rizzo I, I agree. That, that's what I think too, but I'm not sure that that's exactly how management feels because they said earlier in the year that this that there was not anybody on the team that wasn't up for discussion. What's weird for me, and I'm wrong, he's had a good season. Um, he's already hit 36 homers. Is Schwarber? I thought it was going to get dealt. Would it get there? That's I guess Theo just like is Schwarber is Theo's love child. Well, Schwarber, from what I've heard, is even starting after his rookie year, he has been in the front office room helping make decisions on draft day. Did you know that? No. I th- I don't know. That's just a rumor I heard. I I think it's – I don't know if it's true or not, but I what I've been told is that Schwarber, not only as talented as he is um, at the dish and a serviceable outfielder, apparently him is just a baseball mind and being able to evaluate talent is unmatched. Really? He knows what he's doing. So that's why I think if you really want to – okay, so let's do that. I'll, I'll give you those. I'll say there's four four people on the team that are untouchable. If you can keep you them around – think Schwarber's one of them? I think Schwarber's untouchable. And and I'm okay with it. I, I don't – I know there's a lot of people, and I know she's not listening, but Andrea, my old roommate, Andrea yep. Andrea is not a big Schwarber guy. Schwarber gal, I should say. Pardon me. Um, I just think we've got – there's a lot of outfielders – in the system right now that I think aren't even getting full time. I think Ian Happ and Albert Amora are both guys who could be really good MLB players, but they aren't even getting the run right now. Right now, don't wrong. What has um, Happ done? Jay Hay, what Jay, Hay, Hay, Jay done? Hay has had a good year. What's Happ done to do to earn a run at it? I mean, he, he, he hit a home run to lead off the season. What last year or this year on opening day and then went like, Oh, of his next 35. That's true. I mean, nothing against Ian Happ, but you know, like you were saying with Julian Good Jones, right now um, Ian Happ's worst enemy might be Ian Happ. Right. I just, but I'm also a big Almora fan. That's oh, I, I think Almora is a future, multiple-time Gold Glover. Right. Incredible defensively. Right. Um, but we've got so much money tied up into Jay Hay, and they're going to have to re-sign Castellanos. Yeah, I you know Jay Hay might get dealt though too. I saw that on some rumor boards. Um, we just haven't. He hasn't. It's been serviceable, but remember, he's been way better this year. His, he his has, batting average has gone up quite a bit. It and just, he's always I remember clutch defense. my still thing about Jay Hay is oh, the first year the Cubs were in the playoffs and had the cards and the NLDS. Jay Hay was the guy that was Chicago's kryptonite. I mean, every time he was up, he had the big old mask and everything else. You're like, nope, nope, I'm not going to do it. Not going to do it here. But what's happened to him? But I, I don't know. So for me, it's a crowded outfield. And KB is another guy who's out there quite a bit. Um, but Nico Horner looks good. I mean, there's a couple of the other guys, young guys. Addison Russell needs to get dealt. I'm sorry. I'm done with it. I'm I sick of it. Cut him. That's my opinion. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't need to be here. But He doesn't need to be playing baseball. No. Um, I, I, you're right, though. Javi, Willie, Rizzo for me, and I guess apparently Schwarber. And I think Rizzo might be the type of guy, too, that will be like – I could see Rizzo taking a pay cut. Yes, I was going to say the same thing. I could see him being like Tom Brady where he says, you know what, I want to stay here. Uh, I want to be the cornerstone of the franchise. And there's not very many people that'll, that are built like that, but I think Rizzo's more than likely one of them. He's had a good year. Yeah. Yep. He's done well. He's done well. And I could see him doing that. I think he truly loved watching his emotion after they won the series mm-hmm. with with um, John Ross, old Rossi. You can see in you can see in Rizzo's face that he's there 
to be there for quite a while. And yeah. that, and that's cool. And I hope he is. Um, I don't think that Javi's about the money. I think it helps. Javi just likes to play baseball. Javi loves baseball. Um, and I think those group of young kids, I think Willie, and, and I don't know anything about Wilson Contreras, but knowing his competitive spirit, I would have Wait, to think you that mean money. The Wilson Contreras. Wilson Contreras. But no, we'll uh, we'll see. But well, wow. I, I don't know how we got that, a Cubs that, track. That's, but that was 15 that's minutes. Sorry of, about uh, that. Cubs baseball. Sorry, everyone. I'm sorry about the last 15 minutes of the show. But um, sorry, once, we can cover NBA Cubs. I don't really give a shit. Yeah, we'll. Well, it, you know, once we start getting into the to the teeth, of this uh, March, April, May stuff, we're gonna talk a lot about NBA stuff. We're I'm excited for about, college basketball. Uh, that makes one of us. <laughs> um, so again, everyone, thanks again for listening. We had a bunch of listeners, a bunch of positive feedback on uh, episode two. Um, it wasn't up and available um, as quite as long in between episodes, so there was a lot more listens on episode one than there were episode two. But that doesn't matter. You know, there were still over a hundred listens for episode two, which uh, again is pretty remarkable. Episode one um, hit two hundred listens today. Um, so again, that's that's really cool. We thank you guys so much for all the support and all the feedback. We really appreciate it, positive and negative for that matter. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're even our own worst critics sometimes. So we, uh, we like to make sure that we're bringing you the best content and hitting all the subjects that you like. And, yep. and we got a lot of good stuff, but yep, um, tell your friends, tell your friends and, uh, give us some feedback. Everybody woo, woo me on Twitter. Uh, let me, let me know who I need to start being a fan of in the NFL. I'll, I'll, I'll jump on a bandwagon. It'll give me someone to cheer with. It'll be great. Um, but, uh, with that, we'll, uh, move on to week two or excuse me, week two, week, uh, week four here with college football and let go and uh we'll uh, we'll be back on uh, sunday or monday and you catch us on tuesday have a good week everybody peace now john at the bar is a friend of mine he gets me my drinks for free and he's quick with a joke Smoke, but there's some